The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis... A new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling with your host Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley, and I thank you for being here with us today. Whatever day or time you may be listening to this show, I'm so glad that you've joined us. Welcome. Our show today is focusing on the topic of what's holding you back. I chose this topic today because I thought that many of you could be experiencing fear and stress these days, and that many of you may be finding it hard to get on with what you really want to be doing. Ask yourself, do you have the feeling that something is holding you back from moving forward with your dreams, and as much as you think you know what it is, there's still something holding you back. You still can't seem to get unstuck. Is that true for you? We're going to discuss a possible cause that you may not have considered that may be stopping you from moving forward. And what possible cause is that? Your back, your physical back, and what may be stored in there. Our guest today is Jocelyn Olivier, a CMT and master body worker at the Helis Neuro Rehab Center in Mill Valley, California. Jocelyn will talk about fear and stress and how your body stores these emotions in predictable muscle groups in your back. And then Jocelyn will talk about how to get rid of these holding patterns and give you some simple, practical techniques that you can do to get your energy back and get moving forward again. We'll be taking your calls throughout this show, so if you have any questions or comments and you'd like to talk with Jocelyn and me directly, please call in. We would love to hear from you, 1-866-472-5795. And again, that's 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine five. We have a Facebook fan page for you legendary leaders, and you can find it by going to the facebook.com forward slash legendary leaders radio show. You'll find information about upcoming shows, links to other shows, and upcoming events. 
Also, I'm currently scheduling one-to-one personal higher self readings where you can ask any questions on any topic, and you'll receive direct answers to your questions from your higher self. You can contact me directly at maria at legendaryleaders.com. And speaking of events, next July 2016, I'll be co-facilitating a journey to the sacred British Isles, where I, along with the Sacred Travel Initiative, will be taking a small group of people to Glastonbury and Cornwall. And this is a rare opportunity because we will be exploring the version of the Merlin Arthur legend you've heard me talk about before. I spoke a lot about that earlier in many months ago when I when we started the show. <clears throat> and you can hear some of the older shows to hear some of the aspects of that legend. But it's a legend that very few people know. And so we'll be exploring that on some teleconference calls before the trip even begins. But we'll also be exploring it in person in the heart of Avalon and Tintagel. My partners on this trip and I are looking for adventurous souls who want to develop their new paradigm leadership skills. On this journey, you will meet Merlin and King Arthur within you, and you'll develop a relationship with them so that you will be able to access their guidance and mentorship as you follow your higher calling. You'll also connect with the ladies of Avalon within you, enhanced by being right there at the Chalice Well in Glastonbury, where you'll be lodging. So you'll have plenty of time at the sacred Chalice Well and in the gardens before and after tourists leave. You'll also begin a journey to develop a relationship with each of the 12 knights of the round table. Now, as many of you know, each knight represents an important quality of character building called chivalry. And these qualities are needed for the visionary leaders of the future, And many of you out there know what I'm talking about. There's a crisis of character in our world and in our leaders. We don't see them stepping up into their own personal vision. They have personal personal agendas, certainly, but maybe not the character and a desire to lead for the highest good. Well, you visionary leaders out there are those in the future. You'll be developing skills. I'm here to help you with that. And you'll develop these qualities of chivalry that Merlin taught Arthur to develop his leadership skills. And you'll meet your own knight and lady within you, who will guide you to your higher calling and great work that each of you are here to do. It really is going to be an opportunity of a lifetime, and you'll be the first group to be working with the Merlin Arthur legacy in this way, right there in the heart of England. And next week, I'm actually excited because my partners, Nina and Joseph, will be on this call. We're going to spend an hour talking about where we're going to be doing, what we're going to be doing on the trip, where we'll be going, and we'll be talking with you about that. So please tune in next week for that. We'll also be starting at the pre-trip teleconference series, which will be over the phone, as, as I guess a teleconference series is. It'll begin on October the 15th for those of you interested in hearing more. The first, the calls actually up until January will be free to anyone interested in this. And um, and then after that, the people who sign up for the actual tour will be in a private group call where they're going to be learning and beginning the work. So if your interest is piqued and you feel called, please email me at maria at legendaryleaders.com. Well, let's talk about my guest. Let me tell you a little bit about my next guest. I'll first start off by telling you how I met her. Um, I seem to always be talking about my physical body on this on this radio show, but uh, 
a couple of years ago, I had a, like a bone spur or something in my heel that was really hurting, and I knew I needed some therapy. And someone had highly recommended Jocelyn Olivier and the Healist Center, saying that they're, they're just masterful at what they do. They can bring you back into alignment and heal anything physically. And so I went in, and I had my first session with Jocelyn. It was brilliant. I, first of all, it was so nurturing. I just loved uh, her touch for, to begin with. But she was doing something amazing. She she was just touching parts of me, moving parts of my body. But she was seeing which of my muscles were switched on and which were switched off, which I had no idea what she was doing. But I just know that working with her, she was able to pull me through and heal my foot. And um, so I was very excited when she said she'd be willing to be on the show today. And let me tell you a little bit about her background. Jocelyn Olivier, CMT and Master Body Worker, is the founder, director, and CEO of the Alive and Well Institute of Conscious Body Work at the Helis Neuro Rehab Center in Mill Valley, California. She's the creator of Neuromuscular Reprogramming, a modality that works with the body's organizational intelligence to reprogram the body and the brain. With 40 years of working on bodies... 25 years of teaching and owning a school of her own, Jocelyn shows others how to transform their mind-body connections to find greater health, movement, and well-being. She is the past president of the Association for Humanistic Psychology and producer and director of Body Wisdom, the 1999 International Somatic Congress. Now, if that isn't exciting, we, we want to hear from you, so please do remember to call in. We will be taking calls Again, that's 866-472-5795, 866-472-5795. Well, here we go. Please welcome our guest, Jocelyn Olivier. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi, Maria. That was a wonderful preamble, and I want to go to Cornwall with you. <laughs> well, come along. We're going to have oh, fun. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> it's more than a passing uh, moment. I love that part of England, and I love that myth. And I think life is a myth, and I totally relate to what you're saying about the characters and embodying the characters within you. Mm-hmm. And I think that wonderful myth and the, and the place in um, England where it is attributed to are all um, a, a magical potion for making things like that come true. And I've read a, a number of books on the subject. So, oh, that's going to be fun. And this is a this is a version that is not written down anywhere. I heard it through uh, actually Lazarus at Concept Synergy, but it, it is going to be an exciting program. We, we'll hear more about that. But we want to hear about you. I'm going to yeah. ask you right off the bat how how did you get into body work? Now, did you know as a little girl that you were interested in the body and all of this? How did well, that begin for you? No, not like that. Because the, nothing was taught about the body when I went to school. Um, it's a pity, really that um, we don't learn more about our bodies in that very formative stage. I mean, what could be more important to anyone than knowing everything they could about their body for the rest of their life so that they could be in charge of it and keep it working right? So mm. crazy, huh? Yeah. So, um, no, I, I did some massage. I worked, used to work on my dad's neck when we traveled in the car to kind of keep him from being too grumpy. <laughs> um, but uh, when I was traveling, when I was 20, 21 in North Africa, I met up with a gentleman who had done some study on the subject. And so we got around to trading neck rubs and back rubs and such while we were traveling together. And uh, I thought to myself, what a perfect portable profession that would be. And so 
when I got back to Canada, I hitchhiked my way down here to California. I knocked on the door of a place in Larkspur, right next to the post office, and the door opened and my life went rolling out before me like a red carpet. It was really quite magical. Well, tell us more so, about that. What do you mean you knocked on the door? What happened then? Was it just a it place? It was a body work center. And yeah. I, you know, I had been told about it by a couple of friends, two, and two people in, in one month, way up there in Vancouver Island, told me about this place in Larkspur called Devta, a center for the healing arts. And I went, um, I, I went, went there. I just showed up one day <laughs> and said, uh, how can I help? I guess I probably said something like that, or how can I learn more? That was probably more like what I was saying in those days since I was 23, I think, at the time. So I've been in the bodywork field ever since. Uh, here in Marin County, I've taken my skills all over the world. Uh, as you mentioned, I produced... Uh, I've had the school for tw- over 25 years. I've been in practice for over 40 years. And then at some point, you know, I hatched up big plans like the International Somatic Congress. And we even did a little local somatic fair. But somatics is everything that is known about the body and how we interact with it, how we feel it, how we heal it, how we relate to it, really. So it includes the field of somatic psychology and, you know, how you can really understand things about your psyche based on what your body is experiencing, which brings Mm. us to the subject of today. Mm. Don't you think that it's very interesting, I mean, if you ever gave it a thought, to where these expressions in the English language came from, something's holding me back. Mm. I just can't seem to get on with what it is that I feel like I should be doing. Or, you know, I've got this really strong desire to manifest something in the world, And something's holding me back. Mm -hmm. Um, But we never think about where's that coming from and why why did we develop an expression in the English language, or who knows if it's even in other languages, that says it in exactly that way and how long has that expression been around? Mm -hmm. But it has meaning, yeah? Yeah. And the word back is in it. Yeah. So... If you're being held back, it means you're not organized for moving forward, yes? Yeah. This is one possibility, at least. Yeah. Um, So I have come to understand through my 40 years of working pretty intensively on hundreds of thousands of people's bodies that the body and the emotional system and the mind are not three things. They're all one thing. So if we're having a psychological experience, it's pretty fair to assume that somewhere it is having a physical expression. Mm. And somewhere it is having mental thoughts. And I know that you and many others are influential in helping people to understand how those thoughts and emotions and beliefs can be entertained as um, things that are mutable and changeable mm-hmm. and have shown people ways to get that kind of stuff moving in their bodies, I mean, in their lives. Yeah. And I guess for me, it's all been about the body. So when someone comes into me and they have a psychological story that goes along with their physical problem, and of course you can hear it in their tone of voice, the way they tell their what happened to me part of it, that there is indeed something about their um, 
the way they are interacting with their body that either empowers them or limits them hmm. to make a change in the physical when it becomes symptomatic. Yeah. And so, um, but when we think of these things as psychological problems, like we're really being held back even from taking care of our body, right? So even if you felt like you needed more exercise, but you were somehow telling yourself you don't have the time mm-hmm. to get that's, that exercise mm-hmm. because something else that's ever so much more important than you is making demands on your time, yeah. right? And yeah. I'm, you know, I laugh when I say this because <laughs> I've told that story. But yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, I, uh-huh. I can absolutely relate to that. I'm just too busy. And I know I got to get going. I, I have to do more exercise or not have to, but I want to. And But then I really don't want to. So I'm stuck there. I can, t- I can say that absolutely. <laughs> so something's holding you back. <laughs> Something is holding me back. Something's holding me back. Well, you know, to say that's a brilliant concept. And, and it's certainly something not to take for granted that the mind and the emotions and the body are all one. That's a pretty radical concept when you think about it. It certainly makes sense. Well, it kind but, of is because you yourself spoke to the reference, very common reference to the mind-body connection. Mm. But there doesn't have to be a connection. It isn't two things. You yes, it isn't saying? two things, but I still, I, that's a pretty new concept. I remember in studying metaphysics, which I did through Concept Synergy, a company for, wow, mm-hmm. I'm still, still fascinated studying the metaphysics. But I remember hearing that the, 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 the channel, Lazarus was saying something to the effect of, you know, well, where do your emotions go? You know, you're going to, they have to go somewhere. You know, they're going to get stuffed into your body. And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? Thoughts just kind of come through your head and go out of your head and emotions come through your body. Body and go out of your body, and it never occurred to me. No, you're, we're, when we're feeling stuff or not feeling stuff, which is more operative, we're putting them in the body. And so, so yeah, so that's, that's a good one. What what is sensation? Yeah, so a physical sensation, right? So if you if you thought, and perhaps um, the the folks who are listening in might want to try this about something that is either exciting or disturbing or saddening. Or um, um, makes you feel greatly at peace. How do you know you're having those feelings? You, I, I don't know. And don't well, think this I, is a trick question. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's a. It's a good question, right? And it's one we <laughs> seldom think to ask ourselves because we just accept that our feelings are feelings, our thoughts are thoughts, and our physical sensations are physical. But physical yeah. sensation is chemical. Everything in your body is produced by biochemistry and bioelectricity. So feelings are a movement within you where something just <gasps> floods, like a feeling of <gasps> elation or divine inspiration, watching a sunset or, or having a moment with your, your, your deepest um, um, uh, muse, yes? Mm-hmm. that you're tuning into and you're allowing that feeling connection with that concept or, or, or vision to mm-hmm. inspire you. And that's a felt sense. But a felt sense in your body is really a whole biochemistry that you just produced out of yeah. the symphony of thinking. What a grand concept. 
So I'm thinking, you know, on the, um, you know, so that's the invitation, right? That, that's on the most expansive side of everything. Um, I used to call what I do conscious body work because I think consciousness has a tremendous amount to do with the effectiveness of what you do when you're working with the body. Yeah. That you're using conscious attention, you know, both my attention and the person I'm working on, and that I'm using conscious intention. So I'm tuning in, paying attention 100%, and we are having a communion or conversation across by the, by the medium of sensation within the body. Hmm. And sensation is chemical. Everything that we do in interacting with our bodies creates, uh, um, again, a symphony of effect, yes? Yes. We're affecting our own biochemistry. We're resourcing our own energy. Uh, we're manufacturing it, in fact, in the mitochondria of our cells. You know, everything's very physical. But, it, you know, and as, as being a very physical thing, we're responsible for it. I mean, it's going on as long as we're alive, but we have the uh, uh, opportunity to impact it in positive ways or negative ways, you know, and everyone can think about, um, in fact, I was just working with a client I hadn't seen in a very long time um, because she's been going through some kind of crisis of health, and the medical professionals who are working with her actually collaborated with her and created an agreement that she would not allow herself to go into negative thinking or negative story. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh my goodness, what a wonderful pro- progress that is in the field of medicine to hear it that really coming is. back at me from you know, something that was more mainstream than um, our, our alternative healing methods, you know? Absolutely. Well, I think that one thing I have really believed to be true is that you can't separate out thoughts from feelings. People like to think they can. You certainly can lean, especially in adolescence. You can neither be a person who's putting more energy into the thinking, but you still have feelings. And it, or others, some adolescents will be more on the feeling side with, with less thinking. But I think you can, uh, you can have a thought, but you're going to usually have a feeling. And if you have a feeling, you'll have thoughts that are sort of inter, intermingling there. But what That's I, correct. So, so when listen to this one, say I totally agree with you. When you change your feeling, it changes the contents of your mind. Yes. The subject yes. and the point of view will change with the felt change in feeling. Yeah? yeah. So we think of these things as sort of coincidental with something that's happening in the outside world, but it's our reaction to the outside world. So we're having a reaction, it's either a good one or a bad one or a neutral one, and then our thought patterns are kind of in that flavor. They're being informed by our point of view. So you can think about people, for instance, who go into a, a negative vortex. And uh, I got a call the other day from uh, a friend who was um, dealing with a separation uh, from a loved one, and he was in a panic. Like, what had he done wrong? And then it was all of the relationships of his life were on this stack, and everything was pointing in the direction of there was something wrong with him. Right? And when yeah. he was doing his very best to make it come out right, it was coming yeah. out wrong. So um, um, his thoughts were being informed by his feelings, his, his sense of shock and trauma at the sudden yeah. disintegration of, of a, a fondly held, deeply loved relationship. 
Well, there's also that place too. It's just who wants to deal with that level of pain and and fear or the fear of loneliness. And it's so much easier to go to, what did I do wrong? And and try and force the brain to go there instead of really having to feel the feelings with that. Um, to this another piece. Well, okay, yeah. Another way of putting it. Yeah, that would. But, yeah, that would. There, there's lots of ways of of um, lots of directions you could look at the incident from. Yeah. So I was just putting my spin on it because I wanted again, once again, to point to the fact that it's not actually emotion or thought, although they inform one another, it's actually physical. So you're having a biochemistry that's a biochemistry of shock in his case, yeah? Yes, And it's now informing his thought patterns. So let's get back to the subject of what's holding you back. Yes. So if you're in a state of shock... Um, and I think everybody's going to be able to relate to this. There are events and things that happen to us where we are shocked. We're, we either take a fall and it's an actual physical impact or it's a, <gasps> something we, we witnessed yeah. or it's something that happened to us emotionally that mm-hmm. put us into a state of shock or recoil. Uh, this is called uh, the alarm system going off in your body. Um, it's officially in embryology called the startle reflex as, as the body develops the ability to have um, receptivity and reaction to the environment in which it exists. Yeah. And so the startle reflex has a very predictable number of um, patterns and switches that it fires off in your physical body. It affects a lot, um, a lot of systems. It affects the physical body by tensioning, in general, all the muscles. So there's this keyed-up feeling. And the muscles in particular that it fires off are the low back extensors, the ones in your low back, the back of your neck extensors, the ones that make you (gasps) upright and looking about yourself, right? And then Mm -hmm. it takes your eye focal... And then so in the physical, it's also affecting your diaphragm. So you... (gasps) withdraw your breath from the diaphragm and start breathing in your chest muscles. And I know there's a very functional, physical reason that the body does that. And then it also puts more energy in your um, hip flexors and your calf muscles, which puts you up on your toes, ready to run or fight. So it has all these very physical expressions and it narrows your visual field so that you're no longer aware of the periphery. You're only looking for the solution to the problem. And you're looking one thing at a time. And this is actually how kids end up in ADD and ADHD because they are up on their toes. They've got some kind of stressor going on. Their visual field is narrowed to one thing at a time. They can't remember the context of what they're trying to learn. And they can't remember the history of what they're hearing and they can't think into the future either so I I thought, it's only I, in the moment right you know that, so that's i'm sorry i cut you off i don't mean to interrupt i i just had never thought of add that way but that makes sense it's kind of like they're always in a fight or flight kind of is that the, is it related to that, that fight flight a, impulse absolutely that's exactly what's happening oh wow you know for us to look at it as if it was a brain problem Yep. And how your brain works? Well, yeah. And when you're under stress, your brain doesn't work so well. Had you noticed? Yeah, yes. Right? So because 
the reason for that is because one of the things that gets unplugged or rewired, rerouted actually, when you're under stress, is the communication between the two hemispheres of the cortex. So you can note when you're observing, because we can measure these things with our little electronic sensors that we put on people's brains and all the probes and studies that have been done with the brain, that there is a diminished amount of electrical transmission through the corpus callosum in a stressed person. So you're losing your whole brain thinking capability and you're losing the right side, left side coordination of your body because the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body and the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body. Hmm. And to get the whole thing working, you got to be talking back and forth across the middle. So when I'm staring out my window as I'm doing my work every day, I'm watching, I'm watching a pathway that people walk on, and I can see who has these kinds of discoordination things going on just by the way they move. So here we are again with the stress condition and the, you know, the, the physical expression of what's happening in your body when you're stressed. So let's get back to what's holding you back, right? So here we are with the back muscles hyperactive, stuck in what's called the startle reflex, or um, the psychologists call it hypervigilance, where you're always on the alert, looking for the next thing that you need to be um, attending to or that might be a danger to you, right? Yeah. So, and then you can have, of course, obsessive attention around where that danger might be coming from or you can be, because you're always thinking there is a danger, because you're always in hyperextension, so your physical structure begins to inform your thought contents. Can you see where I'm getting at? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, so and the other thing I'd read about that, too, is it's, it's forcing all the blood from, you know, into the extremities when you're in that fight-flight so that your, your, your viscera and some, you're not getting some of the nutrition and uh, all sorts of right. things that are needed in growing the... Your, right. So your, long yeah. reigns, it actually, it shuts down your digestive secretions. Right? So not only does it take the blood and put it out to the extremities, which is another way of impairing production in the, in the core or digestion, but you know, I can remember stress incidents in my life where I didn't digest my food at all. It was not even broken down when it came out. Right? It just went right through me. <laughs> it went wow. it, right? Food I in, can... food out, you know, all at once. <laughs> so... Um, we do, we we, de- we would definitely want to talk more about this and and the of what's stored back there, and we're going to talk about techniques and what you can do, some simple techniques to start to heal that. And I also want to talk to you a bit about what that is uh, when we have panic attacks, what a person can do with that. But we do have a caller on the line. We have Jean from Marin, California. Jean, are you on the line? Oh yes, hi. Hi, thanks for calling hi, in. Hi, Jean. Hi. Um, so I'm. Listening to this, and what I'm curious about is there a difference between stress in the back, like in um, when people are finding like a low back, you know, their whole low back is seized up, or their upper back is seized up, or they're they're different. Do these different places hold different kind of trauma that keeps people from moving? Is there? Do you find that there's correlation between the places in the back, or just that it's anywhere in the back? Um, that that's a that's a good question and probably might have more than one answer, but I'll give you mine. Um, okay. 
So because it's the, um, the way the uh, nervous system is constructed <clears throat> is the bottom of your back and the top of your back are where all the nerves come out that go to the, um, to the parasympathetic side of your uh, body. So when you crunch down and get more tense in those areas, you actually biomechanically shut down, um, you shut down parasympathetic function. So a lot of tension in your low back and a lot of tension in your upper back, in your neck rather, will mm-hmm. shut down parasympathetic function. And out of the middle of your back, where your thorax is, your rib cage, where all the ribs are attached, um, attached out of that area come all of the nerves that go to all the organs that are in charge of immediate metabolic changes having to do with gearing up for sympathetic activity. So there's, a, um, there's an interaction going on with the flexion and extension of your back. So all parts of it are affected and are part of this uh, orchestration of what's going on when you are um, mediating between the two sides of your autonomic nervous system. And you know that caduceus symbol that you see in medicine where you've got the weaving of the two lines on either side yeah, of the straight yeah, column? Yeah. That's representative of these two layers of the nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, um, forming the autonomic nervous system that is our survival, you know, thing that's going on in the background underneath our conscious mind. So, mm-hmm. so could we ascribe different kinds of problems to different parts of the spine? Was that what, what your question was? That's kind of, if, if you're finding trauma in the low back, is there something, you know, that you would personally do other than just fixing the low back that, that you're, you, a person could actually almost attend to? It's like, oh, that low back area, right. that's that well, think difference than an upper yeah, back. Yeah, I think um, the rib cage is a little harder to work with than the, than the lumbar spine and the, and the neck. Mm-hmm. Just because it's got all those ribs and all that rib fascia attached to it, um, and the alarm system triggers most. It triggers your whole back, the whole back side of your body, but it triggers most in the low back and the neck. So, um, mm-hmm. so for instance, we have an, another expression in the English language: um, uh, something was a pain in the neck, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then. So we, we, make, um, we make designations according to, to where we experience a problem. So um, a stress shows up in your neck and your low back in general. So that includes an awful a broad category of, of stuff. I, I have a perspective on that as a medical intuitive. When I'm, I'm looking, part of what I do, Jean, is I'm, I'm looking into the energy field and I'm seeing where people usually are storing their emotions or stuffing them. Um, and they go a lot in the joints and all. But I do see uh, that very often that w- when there's low back pain, and this may not be anything that Jocelyn would necessarily be seeing, but I have seen that very often it can be a deep concern about uh, or fear of not having enough money. I do see that issue is in there. Um, I don't know if, that, if you relate to that one, but it seems like low back pain can be related to fears around that. Just as I've seen right. in, in uh, cancer, that very often it can be stuffed anger that does not want to be felt or expressed. But it is, isn't always sorry, the case. Where, where was the anger felt more? Is it oh, same in the low back, which seems, you're, we're uh, talking about money, which sounds survivalish, and then you said the anger was trapped where? 
Everywhere in the body. Everywhere. Everywhere. But I was saying, usually it will take the form when, you know, the body just gets overwhelmed. What am I going to do with all this anger? It's sometimes, and I do say sometimes I don't want people to be afraid out there, but it sometimes can, uh, can, can be what was going on in the depths of cancer is that, you know, this lump or that where they just, they're storing their anger and rage there. Very mm-hmm. often anger that does not want to be felt. I don't know. How, how yeah. do you feel about uh, any of that, uh, Jocelyn? I, I might, the spiritual school that I participated in had um, a whole series of meditations about what the parts of the body were all about. And uh, for sure, the neck, um, fear of being in the wrong psychological position. I think low back survival is pretty consistent with our concept of the chakras. And therefore, the, um, you know, the body energetics in terms of nerve supply and where that nerve supply is going in that part of the body. Again, here I go, it's physical, right? It's all physical. <laughs> mm-hmm. which, um, which, in some, which, is, which is the gift that I have to offer today really has to do with how do you interact with your physical body to have an impact on these um, what might be called psycho-emotional condi- uh, conditions, experiences that we have in life including, um, you know, thoughts and conclusions that we might choose to draw because we've been focused in a certain way on things. So, Jean, did you have something more that you wanted to have asked before I go tootling off on a whole other thought form? I'm trying to... Um, I, I, I feel finish. like that's the main thing. I, I, uh, yes, just basically if there was... I think that you've answered it pretty clearly. I, there was just... Yeah. If, if there's something to offer... The, any specific part of the body that would was you know that was going to help and um, and I think well, you that's did. what I was Both thinking I would do today after I convinced everybody I was right you know <laughs> that there, maybe these things well I'll connected. listen for that then <laughs> yeah maybe Wait, these things also connected. also there's Louise Hayes you know her little book with all the the thoughts that she she relates to the different parts of the body is kind of interesting it's good right. good place to take off or to start from but right. thank you for, thank you for calling in Jean we really appreciate you being here yeah it's great thanks. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. So where is it that you wanted to take off? Because I oh, know well, what, no, we I do need, what we to, do need to accomplish here is that people will want to hear about your work and will want some techniques wow. on how to heal some of that stuff back there. So right, go ahead. right. Yes. So, well, I work with coordination problems. So let me just tell you that story first. I work with people's coordination problems. And um, sometimes through a fall or an incident, you know, which has its own trauma associated with it, meaning it hurt, uh, you know, you get up and you dust yourself off, but not only did you, like, bruise your ego because you fell, but you also um, torqued or tweaked your low back, and now you have a discoordination problem in your lower back, which um, when it stops hurting, you don't realize it's still there as a problem. So these, these, these holding patterns that got impressioned into our body in times of incident like that, even though they're subclinical and nothing really terrible happened... Um, those holding patterns do end up uh, locking up your spine. And when you lock up your spine, you lock up the resilience, the ability to adapt, deflection and extension, rotation of the normal things that need to be going on in your spine in order for your life to move forward. Mm -hmm. So from a physical point of view, your coordination to get organized, to move forward in your life is is synonymous with your ability to walk using your right shoulder and your left hip swinging in opposition to one another and your right leg and your left shoulder swinging in opposition to that. So 
um, if you are impaired in your ability to, to, to make that rotation around the axis of your spine, if you're impaired by a fact that part of your spine is locked down, mm-hmm. um, you will be having the felt sense experience in your life of not being able to move forward. And it is very real and it's very physical and it's very emotional and it's very mental. It's all going on at once. So as far as the extensor alarm system, when you, for instance, have a general stress or fright that causes an excessive tone um, ubiquitously all the way up and down your, low, your back, you're going to have a sense of being um, uh, as if your body weighed too much. It was heavy and hard to move around. Uh, you might have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. And there's just there's a whole energetic shift that goes on because, in fact, your life force is invested in a lot of tension in the back of your back. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it has been withdrawn. As you say, uh, it's pulled away from the viscera to go to the extremities. It's also pulled away from the front to go into this tensioning in the back and also in your calf muscles and your hip flexors to just poise you for action. But if it persists over a very long period of time, it ends up uh, giving you this vague sense of fear because you've got a physical contraction corresponding to an emotion that is now informing your thought patterns. And you don't know where those thoughts are coming from. And, of course, we think our thoughts are real for the most part. Like, we think them, therefore they are real. I think, therefore I am. Uh, So... So I'm saying this, this level of biofeedback is happening in both directions. So you can have a fear and that will make your back contract or you can have a contracted back and that will produce little niggling fears in the back of your mind that make you, you know, you have a desire to move but you're not going to because you don't feel totally comfortable. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that that feeling of trepidation might be coming from a past physical event that's stuck in your body and that you haven't uh, shook loose from. So I have a couple of suggestions about that, about well, how be- people Before you do, I just wanted to, to mention or say something, because it seems to me, with, especially since we're a society and a world that is being taught, you know, don't feel your feelings, just don't feel, and oh, babies feel or whatever, just hold it, hold it, hold it. Right. It's making everybody emotionally constipated, actually. But it also, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it until you were describing that very beautifully about the, the, the way that, that system works up and down the spine. That's probably why we relate old people with being stiff and, and just not moving very well. They're probably holding all that stuff in, and there's a lot of their energy going to holding it in. That is exactly right. I don't think our aging um, needs to look quite as it does. Um, and I do think that the rigidity that old people express by, in the core of their body and their spine and their torso and the thickness in there is from lack of movement. And that lack of movement is created a little bit at a time through a sort of freezing of the functions of the spine and the layering of increased um, um, dysfunction that accumulates uh, usually one incident at a time where, you know, you can't freely use that part of your body as well, so you start restricting its range of motion. I, I did the same thing with my knee recently where I blew my knees out, taking a very long downhill uh, walk, not realizing that my legs weren't conditioned for what I was doing. I, I was way up on a hill. Getting up there was no problem. Coming down, my knees 
strained. And so I've been struggling to get my legs back in balance. And actually, it's interesting because this also speaks to that physical, emotional um, um, connectivity, (laughs) unity that we were talking about. uh, Because yesterday I had a session that had a huge impact on the efficiency of my knee. And today I woke up elated, dying to move forward. Right, and I'm all fired up, <laughs> and and up to things, and I'm um, feeling more like myself again. Mm, that's so beautiful, and right? and also for all of you folks out there, you ought to see Jocelyn because I I have the privilege of getting her to see her physically. Where here she is in tiny little body suits, beautiful with silver hair and and limber as a child, and it's well maybe there was a problem with your knee, but it's an inspiration as you say. Age does aging does not have to look the way we think that it needs to look. So let's exactly. uh, there are probably people out there that are feeling stuff going on in their body right now, even hearing this stuff, especially well, stuff. Well, I'm hoping that. that Everybody's going to be able to relate to what I'm saying, you know, or I, I find when I explain this to clients, um, not in as quite a, a thorough way as we've had the opportunity to do, but just um, dropping in these new ideas that it, first of all, is um, it just rings true to your life experience and how you um, are experiencing things because you can see that connection between how you feel physically so, you know, and I was feeling when, when, my, when my knee wasn't working and I just couldn't get my weight onto both legs and I couldn't rely on my right knee to pull me up the stairs, I was feeling like very much like an old lady. I would probably look like an old lady. <laughs> you know, some people would call me an old lady. Sometimes I call myself an old lady. But, um, but today I feel more like my younger self because yeah. I am um, capable. I'm in my body in a way that ha- hasn't been possible, and it was an turn- overnight turnaround. That's fantastic. Well, so we like do want to hear a, a technique that we do want to give everybody a simple technique that they can do right now. Right. If you're feeling some kind of tension or, or stuff in your back, is what, what's the technique, an easy one they can do at home? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you don't mind, if we have the time, um, I've got about three things that I want to suggest well, we'll say this, and I have to be very clear with you. We have about maybe four minutes or five. Four minutes, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, talking fast never helps. But, um, <laughs> well, in that case, then I have to say that uh, folks who are super interested in this might want to find their way to the Helis Neuro Rehab Center um, uh, because we do uh, classes in some of these things to help our clients uh, master certain small skills. So let me give you this one. Uh, first of all, it's very helpful to work out with two two balls, two balls in a sock. You can get a couple tennis balls, put them in a sock. Uh, we create we created a little a product called two balls, but that's um, just two tennis balls, two ten, two balls in a sock. So we encourage you to put that on the floor and lie on it so that your low back is pressing into it. Because if you can release some of the tension out of your lower back. You know, get your hands behind your knees or roll around on it, play with it, self-massage with it. If you can get some of that tension out of your lower back, you will find that the alarm system inside you, the sense of anxiety inside you will diminish. And you'll feel better physically and you'll be better coordinated. So another thing that I can tell you is breathing is the gear shift lever between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So our assumption being that with tension in your back or your neck, you're in sympathetic. So you want to start doing things like breathing and slowing it down. So you're counting to four on the in-breath 
and four on the out-breath. Really slow your breathing. doesn't have to be super deep. Just slow and, and paced, right? And in your diaphragm, into your belly. Put your hands on your belly and feel. And then when you breathe out to the count of four, you imagine the breath is going out through the back of your body. And for this, we have to consider yet another expression in the English language, laid back, right? Mm. Which is different than something holding you back. Because when you're laid back, you have moved your energy field out into the space behind your body. And when you do that, it relieves the tension of the holding pattern that was in the physical structure of the back. So you disperse it by thinking about dispersion. And you use the breath as a vehicle to carry your attention into the space behind you. The, the huna, the kahunas say, where your attention goes, that's where your energy flows. So we use mm-hmm. the breath as a vehicle to carry the attention into the space around us. And in becoming more spacious and more aware of space around us, we, um, we move toward the parasympathetic because it's that is the attention and the feeling that you have when you're in the parasympathetic. Will so you use Will you say that a little more clearly to Jocelyn? Because I, I still think I, I get confused. The audience would want to probably know too. Say the difference between parasympathetic and sympathetic. Good idea. Uh, parasympathetic, uh, briefly, is rest and digest. This is the restorative side of your nervous system, and it's the one that allows us to attain satori and deep meditative states and deep mm. relaxation. Um, The sympathetic side of your nervous system is the one you need every day when you're dashing about with a list of things you need to accomplish and you've got pressures on the job and schedules to keep and you have incidents, accidents, and relationships that are all adding to the... (gasps) And then, you know, coffee is the drug of choice, right? Mm. So we're we're overstimulated and we're getting stuck there. And it's beginning to manifest itself in frenetic activity that doesn't actually if you look at it and add it all up, get you where you really want to be going, right? Your time is all used up. You're exhausted. But did you really accomplish what you think your life is all about today? Yes. Well, I I know that many of you are going to be interested in what Jocelyn's saying. I'm doing this breathing as you're saying it, and I'm already feeling myself relaxing. There you go. She has a body wisdom blog that you'll all be interested in, and tell us about that free half-hour assessment of the physical and psychological symptoms. For people who think they might have a a significant issue having to do with uh, physical coordination, perhaps they've got pain or limitation or restriction, um, and they just don't know, of course, since we weren't talking about what neuromuscular reprogramming is all about and what I actually do, these are just my thoughts you get today, the undercurrent of it all. Um, the, um, the actual doing this uh, of our clinic is fixing people's structural problems. And in the process, we find we have to work with the nervous system to get it to relax because you can't learn anything new or change your body when you're in this type of hyper arousal or hypervigilance. So we, we work with all the layers at once, but we do the coordination part as well to sort out all the neuromuscular confusions left from past experience, whether it's acute and recent or long-term and has been there for decades. You can change all of it. And we do That's offer good. a free half-hour assessment to new folks who don't understand uh, what we do and whether or not what we do would help. And I do my best to assess their situation. I give them lots of useful information 
for pursuing whatever they choose to pursue to get themselves better. And um, Can this um, be done so, over the phone, Jocelyn, or does it have to be in no, person? No, they have to come to the clinic here oh, in Oh, okay. So this is yeah. going to be if you're in, Mar- in Marin, California, or right. anywhere near here, you want to come here for that or free half-hour assessment? Or you want to find your assessment? way here because it's, um, it's that valuable, yeah. Yeah, so please, please do that. But for those of you who, aren't, who aren't, aren't planning on traveling here to Northern California, you can also get um, your Body Wisdom blog. We only, we have about 30 seconds here. You'll okay. be able to find her at www.helis.com. And what's the phone number or what, what what's the information yeah, where they can... Yeah, the Helis phone number for our front desk is 415-388-9945. To set yourself up with uh, an assessment or to get further information or you just need to get in touch so you can be pointed to practitioners in your area, perhaps, if you're from somewhere else around the country. And this and their Body but Wisdom blog is great well. because it has these benefits of, of, of tools where you'll learn how to be able to be more comfortable in your body, things of understanding your body, how it works, especially what you can do with, with stress and interrupting it and all of those things. And I hope that you uh, enjoyed being here today. We certainly enjoyed having you here. Um, we're about to close here shortly, but thank you, Jocelyn. So nice it to have you. It was wonderful fun talking with you. And, um, <laughs> Great. So everybody remember www.helis.com, the Body Wisdom blog, and connect with Jocelyn there. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank you all for listening out there. And please visit and join the our Legendary Leader Facebook page at uh, the Facebook.com Legendary Leaders Radio Show. And also tell your friends if you're enjoying any of these shows or they relate to somebody that you know, please just forward the link to the show so that other people can find out about the Legendary Leaders Radio Show. And if you're feeling curious or drawn to the idea of going on a sacred journey to England next summer, and you want to meet Merlin and Arthur within you, and along with the Knights and Ladies of the Round, please contact me at maria at legendaryleaders.com. And um, I'm also now available, as I said, to do private one-to-one higher self readings. So if you want to know what your higher self is trying to communicate to you directly, having a little trouble hearing it, or maybe you do have an intuition, but you'd like it articulated, you can email me. Give me your phone number, and I'll call you back to book a time for a reading at maria at legendaryleaders.com. Well, interesting show today, and I want to thank you all for listening to Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. We'll be talking more about the Merlin Arthur trip that's going to be next year with our with our, my partners in on the next show. It's always an honor to support all of you unsung heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders that you're destined to be. And until next week, I send you my love and best wishes. Thank you for being with us today. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Have a wonderful week.